Welcome to the Emboldened Podcast. I'm Naima Abdullahi. And I'm Marquise Francis. Emboldened's mission and vision is to bring the Emma Bowen Foundation community together, and that means you. By giving listeners exclusive access to trailblazers and influential decision makers within the media industry. And this is the 12th episode of the first season of the Emboldened Podcast. Our guest today is... Well, it's us. (laughs) We've been introducing significant people in the last few months on the podcast, and now it's time to introduce ourselves as the co-hosts of the Emboldened Podcast and talk about just how much the foundation has not only shaped us, but this industry. I'll kick things off. We really haven't gone into talking about ourselves, but, um, you know, just to introduce myself or reintroduce myself, Marquise Francis uh, graduated from Syracuse University in 2013, broadcast and digital journalism. And then I got right into working uh, within media. My first job was at MSNBC, where I interned through the Emma Bowen Foundation, which was at NBC. And I was a production assistant with Reverend Al Sharpton, which is kind of wild because if you asked me before I graduated, I knew nothing about politics. Um, I really, my first meeting, I can remember going in there and literally writing down every word and every person's name that I heard because I didn't know anything. I had to write down GOP, you know, Governor Jindal or whoever. So I had to look up all these people. But flash forward six months later, and I'm actually recognizing people within the building, in the different green rooms. Um, so that that experience was, was wild. Um, and then I got my second job at the History Channel doing social media. And then, um, which led me right now where I'm at now, Yahoo. So I started off doing videos and it transitioned into a role where I'm able to cover stories. I travel the country, talking to different people, covering large events, and it's been a wild ride. Um, Just came up on three years with the company and uh, it's wild. We're in quarantine now, so I'm a bit more stationary. But last year I was able to travel and talk to folks like Charlemagne and Stacey Abrams and Killer Mike and Valerie Jarrett. So knowing where I came from and how like things didn't seem as clear, um, it was just like really taking one day at a time, um, putting my best foot forward. So, you know, and obviously all of that really, I owe a lot of that to the Emma Bowen Foundation. Um, like I mentioned, I interned at NBC and I can remember when I joined Emma Bowen, I actually had to apply twice. The first time I applied, I got through, but I could not do a summer at Emma Bowen. I had to go up to Syracuse uh, to take a summer program course. So Sandra was like, "Mm, maybe next year. Um, And then second time around, I was like, look, I have the whole summer wide open. Like, let's get this money. So I was able to interview with Sandra Rice, did well. I think I interviewed at NBC and CBS and uh, NBC ended up being my internship, which was a crazy and I want to say very transparent, rocky um, internship experience. I was with two websites, um, The Grio and also NBC Learn. The first one was NBC Learn. I transcribed video for 40 hours a week. I can remember calling up Miss Rice and saying, hey, this is not it. Please get me out of here. She said, you know what? It's good for you. Stick with it. Um, and honestly, I'm happy I did. Uh, my second summer, I was with the Dylan Radigan show, which is a show on MSNBC. Once again, not the most amazing experience. Uh, they had three interns doing a fourth of an intern's work because we literally were there to do not much at all. But I still try to do my best with just using that time to 
email people in the building, the likes of Lester Holt and others, and just sit with them and pick their brain. And that was the best thing I could have done those first two summers. And so the last summer, I made sure to reach out to HR ahead of time. I want to be with the Grio. I saw these a bunch of black people in the office doing some stories, and I said, I want to work with them. And that was really when I saw what was possible to talk about news through the lens of our black experience and how not only it was worthwhile, it was profitable and it was important. Um, so I definitely dedicate a lot of that. Obviously, Emma Bowen, the Grio. I was working with Joy Reid at the time, who has her own show, MSNBC now, which is just unbelievable to see. Um, but that foundation, I owe a lot of that to them, Bowen Foundation. What about you, Naima? Well, I want to first say I'm very proud of your journey. As someone who remembers you while we were both in the program, like you dream big, right? And you tell all your friends, I want to do this, I want to do that, and I want to do that. But when you're part of the Emma Bowen Foundation, people believe you and people believe in your potential. So it's just an honor to watch all my peers, all the success that they have achieved in the program because of the program. So for me, I joined the program. I applied when I was a senior in high school, met Sandra. I was afraid. I was scared. She was like, where's your portfolio? I was like, port what? She was like, where's your resume? Cover letter. I'm like, cover what? Um, so she made me you know, come back and get everything together. But that was really good discipline because I didn't know anything about corporate media. Um, so she interviewed me and then I started off with Fox 5 in Atlanta for four summers. And then the Fox family, because of Emma Bowen Foundation, invested in me. My first job was because of Emma Bowen Foundation. The program really looked out for me because right after I graduated from Elon University in North Carolina, I got a call from my mentor who I met through the foundation, Dennis Swanson. And he called me and said, look, we just bought a brand new station in Charlotte. It's an O&O. And we would love for you to be one of the first journalists hired at the station. I was shocked. I was surprised. But again, the only difference between many races along socioeconomic lines is access and resources and mentorship. So what that taught me was someone saw my worth and my potential. The Emma Bowen Foundation saw my worth and potential and they knew I could deliver. Like that's big for a kid who never saw that within themselves. I spent four years there and then came to Atlanta. I've been here for four years as well, uh, working full-time for the NBC affiliate in Atlanta. So after spending about four years at the station, I decided to go the freelance route. So now I have a lot more flexibility working with different brands. Um, still got my foot in the door and still doing content for the TV station, but I love the flexibility and freedom to tell stories across digital platforms, culture platforms, but I credit 100% of my success. Like I'm not dividing this up into pieces. Percent of my success to the Emma Bowen Foundation. So I'm so glad that we're able to do this, but we're both a product of Emma's vision and she never knew how big she could take it, but it's on us to take it further than she ever imagined. And like you said, that's amazing to hear your journey because we literally were Emma Bowen fellows together, you know, uh, going out at night during Emma Bowen summer conferences and really exploring the city. Even though I'm from New Jersey, you're from Atlanta. It was really both experiencing it together because even though it's so close, New York was still new to me. Um, and I think that's genuinely where you build that bond, that connection that really lasts lifetimes. Um, but so now moving on to the podcast, I'd love for you to tell us more about your vision for the podcast, because you really brought me in. You said, hey, I got this idea. I think this is dope. Let's do this together. So what made you want to do this podcast and why did you feel as though it was so important? It's been a long process in the making. What's interesting is so many people in the program had the same idea at the same time. 
there just wasn't a cohesive way to go about it. So when I presented the idea to Rasan Harris, I was in New York and I was like, hey, we need to talk. He's like, yeah, let's talk. So we set up a call. It was around the time Sandra was leaving. So I was also there in her office giving her a hug and telling her I love you. Um, and, then, and then I popped up into his office. I was like, yo, we, we need to do something. We got a lot of journalists. We got a lot of influencers. We got a lot of corporate companies. Let's do it. He's like, yeah, let's do it. Um, so we hopped up on a lot of different phone calls and meetings and emails and group chats and things. And we realized like the foundation also envisioned that. Um, and there were, there was a committee, the alumni team also wanted to do it. So it was just, um, it, it was a blessing that around the time I envisioned it, it was already in rotation. We just didn't know about it. And then when we started to talk about, well, who could be Naima's co-host? I was like, Marquise, he don't know it yet, but he gonna do it. Even if he say no, he gonna say yes. <laughs> so I wanted to make sure that I shared this process and journey with someone who loves the program as much as I do. Emma Bowen, I mean, that's such a powerful name, but I feel like no one really knows her story um, where it's like, you know what she stood for, but people don't know her story. People know the foundation, but they don't know who it's named after. So it was just like a way to make sure that this was our way of preserving her history so that it's never forgotten. Yeah, no, that's that's everything you said was right. And it's beautiful. And so often I think, you know, as Emma Bowen fellows, alumni, graduates, just family, um, you know, we're always taught about mentors and reaching out to people for advice. Um, But one of the things I've learned through experience or just through time is it's often you know, your peers and people who are your age who are really going to give you those opportunities. So number one, thank you for inviting me on to do uh, this podcast with you because it's really been an amazing experience. Um, you speak about people don't know about M. Bowen's history. I have to admit, I'm one who did not know enough um, doing this podcast and speaking to people who were there with Emma Bowen in the early ages until up until today, you know, it's been just remarkable to hear, to learn, to better understand. Um, you're right. I, I love this program. I feel super just motivated. If when, when people give something to me, I feel like I need to give it back tenfold. And I think that's what the Emma Bowen Foundation um, is about. Like you get an internship, you get funds over the summer when no one else is getting paid. This is back when we were in college. And then you get matching funds for the school year. I know it's changed since then, but it was honestly too good to be true. Um, and it was an amazing experience. So then flash forward almost 10 years, you know, removed from college and, you know, being fellows in the program um, to be able to learn more about who Emma was, talk to some of the board members, talk to some of the, uh, you know, the young people to come out of the program, to be two of the young people come out of the program was really just amazing. Uh, I met so many people through the podcast. Um you know, board members I never, you know, thought I would ever meet, you know, talking to some of the newer board members and Rodney, uh, talking to Gio, who from my perspective is like Mr. Emma Bowen. Um, and it's just crazy. This is season one. You know, there's so much more. Um, I'd love to know what was your favorite part of the uh, season? My favorite part of the season, and I agree with everything you said, my favorite part of the season was seeing what I already knew about the foundation. The access is unmatched. There is no other organization in the United States that is geared towards helping to foster the 
the dreaming process for so many minorities, changing the dreaming process where you can go from ideation to execution, realization to actualization, and know that you can be there, that you belong, that you are worth it, and your self-value is really an internal, emotional, spiritual process. So when we saw on just the first season the amount of access we had to executives, CEOs, people who have transformed the industry, and then products of the program, journalists who are in the program, it just kind of let us know, okay, we're really tapping into something that should have been done a while ago, but I'm glad we're doing this now. But because we started, we can't stop. Like that was like the biggest blessing was seeing what I already knew that this is the premier destination for really putting African-Americans and minorities and people of color in position to influence, knowing that they have just as much creativity and capability. That's a word right there. She said actualization, realization, a bunch of isations. And um, I just said, mm-hmm, okay. <laughs> Um, but no, that's that that's 100 percent. I mean, I know Sandra called uh, both of us one night or he sent us a text and said, I just heard this part of the episode. Like we need to turn that into a video. Right. There's just so many moments where even me, as I'm listening to some of our guests talk, I forgot I had the next question because I'm just so just in tune with what they were saying. But you, you hit on the head. Right. This was our first season. And we talked to so many different people, dope people, you know, uh, board members, products of the, of the you know organization but what do you envision for season two that's what i want to know can you answer that question first okay i'll answer yeah. first um i mean i think whenever you do something you, your goal is to go bigger and better right and i think um not you know the people we had right it doesn't get any bigger than phyllis and sandra right but you know go for newer and different names that people may not be as familiar with as have, of having ties with the program, but also just going for people that, you know, may be not as easy to access. Um, obviously, we have a wish list. We have a secret wish list that, you know, we're definitely going after. Um, but also in doing, in not only the people we're going after, what else can we do as far as the podcast to take it to the next level, right? We already got audio. We're not in the same space, even though we are right now, uh, oftentimes, but what can we do to continue to elevate that? You know, what would incorporating video look like? What would incorporate, you know, having something at the conference looks like? You know, we just had an amazing virtual conference this past summer. Shout outs to interim CEO, uh, Nikki Bethel. It was amazing as an alumni to see what that conference was like in the virtual space. And I can think of other podcasts that I listened to, like Joe Budden and whatnot, how they went from just chilling in their crib to having traveling, you know, podcasts, just like extravaganzas. I don't know if we're going to be traveling all over, but who knows, right? Sky's the limit. So so what do you, what do you think? When we say content is king, consistency is queen. She wears the crown. So as we go into this journey of making sure that we preserve the history of Emma Bowen, we have to make sure that we're also consistent in the process. And, you know, when you enter a new venture, you have to have certain benchmarks of what success is. Success this season was to execute and to do it and let it unfold naturally on its own and let the brand and the mission statement and vision statement become its own thing. We did that. That's success. Uh, Now we have to determine what is success for the second go around and the third go around. And this is a labor of love. You and I have a full schedule. (laughs) You know, personally for me, I'll produce like, you know, docuseries for 11 Alive and then do, you know, Vibe Magazine and then do my own uh, digital show and then pick up other brands along the way. But I know Tuesdays and Thursdays (laughs) at 7 p.m., 
I'm not booking that for nobody but Emma Bowen Foundation. So it's like, you know, that amount of discipline that we've had in the last few months really shows how much we love this foundation that it's about impact and it's about giving back. And because of that, we're able to pour four or five hours every single week into the program, which at first you're like, whoa. But then once you find your, you know, routine, it's like, okay, cool. Like we can do this again next year and the year after that. That has been the biggest blessing. But you know, it's 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 all of our baby. It's it's all of our um uh passion project. So I can't wait to just continue having collaborative energy to make sure we stay committed to it. Um, one question I want to ask you is during the interview process of most of the people that we've interviewed, you made sure that they answered questions about representation, accountability, and you know how do we make sure that we create the kind of space where Black excellence can thrive and exceed beyond the expectations of what we've envisioned in that space. Tell us about how you were able to really ask those questions because we're at a point in history where those questions deserve answers. That's an amazing question. Uh, and before I answer that, I do, in the spirit of collaboration, I just don't want to forget this. So I would be remiss if I did not mention Willie Sanchez, who is literally our godsend. Yes. He's the executive producer of all of this. He makes sure the audio is tight, makes sure all of the audio gets on all the platforms. He made sure we had a website taught us how to use Zencaster. So shout outs to Willie holding it down. Shout outs to Delia doing everything with the alumni program and helped really get this off the ground. Anel helped with the marketing, putting everything together and Kamara help, helping us with booking everything. Kamara, Kamara Daltrey. So thank Absolutely. you to all of them. If this was Thriller, they would be Quincy Jones right now. <laughs> so on to your question. Um, basically, how do I ask the important questions Honestly, I think it just comes from probably being denied a lot of my life, right? Whether it was at a school dance and asking someone to dance and they said no or asking for a job and kind of getting turned down. It's like when you're okay with being told no or not getting an answer, you become fearless when you ask questions. So at this point, I feel like whether I'm in an interview with someone for work or outside of work, I'm constantly thinking not only what do I want to know, but what do other people want to know? So we've had some amazing guests, as you mentioned, you know, and I think it's a little too easy sometimes just to talk about some of their successes or the things in which you can probably read on a Wikipedia page. It can be easy to ask questions that you can probably find or read off a Wikipedia page or a Google you know, but I'm way more interested in talking about the challenges people had. Or if you're a white executive, you know, and we're having a reckoning right now more than any time of my, you know, entire existence, what responsibility do you have? Like, I want to know those things because I think it gets people thinking. Um, I think too long for, for too long, I think the reason why we're in a space that we're in is because people have been comfortable. People aren't necessarily asking the questions that are going to get people to actually do something to inspire change, to bring about change. So I feel like whenever you have the platform, you have a responsibility, right? So our responsibility from my perspective is to ask certain questions because maybe it might not be our guest who's going to be the person who's going to do something extreme, but someone may be listening, you know, who is saying, wow, I never thought of it that way. And I could be doing more where I'm at. I know last summer in LA, when we were at, um, 
the Emma Bowen alumni, the first Emma Bowen alumni conference, we got charged at the end, you know, raise your hand if you're working somewhere that's not an Emma Bowen, you know, sponsor. We charge you to go back to your company and make them a sponsor. And I think, you know, with this podcast, I'm always thinking of that is how can we charge others to just do more and bring about what Emma Bowen was all about? We always have known that there's more to media than being in front of the camera. So doing this podcast really brings added value to producers, executive producers, news directors, writers, technical assistants, executives, CEOs, general managers, um, account executives. There are so many different roles that play into the full product that is seen on TV that you know, at first level, you may think, okay, the person representing the brand is everything the brand encompasses, but it's the people behind the scenes that have far more bigger reach and far more bigger influence. So hopefully this podcast inspires future executives. That's the mission. How can we have more executives and decision makers and bosses who can step up to the plate to take it further than just being that talking voice, you know, being the person who is at the promos or covering a certain story, like, no, 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 no. We need producers, executive producers, and bosses. Like, that's where the biggest discrepancy is in newsrooms. You may see representation on TV, and it does look like representation because you're like, ooh, that's a Black person. Okay, but who's making all the decisions? Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, are we satisfied just having a seat at the table, or do we want to be the table? And that's the point that this foundation is trying to make is we shouldn't be satisfied just having a seat. You know, the whole table should be ours. Mm -hmm. And that's the energy we own. That's another word. That's another word. I mean, and in that line uh, or just breath of space, um, I I truly believe, you know, we are. And I don't not only believe we are, you know, future executives. Right. I think the way in which we take this media just journey the existence so seriously, we are going to be the future leaders. Um, but I just, I'm just curious, and I would love for you to fill folks who are listening in. I mean, what are the, some of the things that you see in the near future for you? I think you talked about a lot of the things you have going on. Um, you didn't mention how you're nominated for a number of Emmys and you're doing a bunch of other things. But just so that young people and you know our colleagues and peers out there know, what are some of the things you're working on and some of the things in the near future you want to accomplish? Yeah. So I've accepted a few years ago that my dream job doesn't exist and I'm going to go build it. Because sometimes when God plants a vision in your head, it shouldn't be just you verbalizing it and trusting other people will see it. You got to go build it and then they'll see it. Um, and I've always loved the culture space. I've always wanted to be a culture correspondent, focus on culture content, be an executive producer of culture content as well. And I didn't see that space really existing in the traditional spaces. I mean, obviously now there is a lot more because the jobs match the times that we're in with the state of the nation. Um, and I do pray and I do hope those positions that are now being created, all the you know culture divisions that major networks are doing, I hope those things exist. But for me, I want to go create that for myself um, and really create a space of I'm more than just a job title. When you see me, you see my passion and you see what I'm passionate about. I took six months away from local news where I stepped away in January and then I came back in a freelance level, um, balancing it with everything else. But that six months taught me that no matter how much you are away from your comfort zone of what you've always done, 
You should never be afraid to reinvent yourself. And I don't know what that space looks like for me, but I'm trusting that I'm creating it one layer at a time. I was nominated for an Emmy three years in a row and this year for two. For me, it's just a matter of creating it for myself. And that takes a lot of courage Mm -hmm. to walk away from a full-time gig because you trust something that's in your head. But that's the audacity that the Emma Bowen Foundation taught me is that if you want to be like a Tyler Perry, you have to build a high-risk endurance. And if you're never able to build a high-risk endurance, you'll never know how big you can go. That's deep. And that's actually powerful for you to mention Tyler Perry because he just became a billionaire. Black man, lived in Atlanta, created Tyler Perry Studios, which is huge. I, I went there on one occasion and I couldn't even see the end of it. Um, but no, that's amazing to hear. Uh, and I think it's important to have goals and have a vision. And I, and I really, it, res- it really resonates with me uh, when you mentioned you don't necessarily know what that role looks like, or it's not even really out there right now, but you're going to create it. Um, because literally for my entire career, even now, I never knew what was for me. And I, and this is to like every young journalist, young person out there that knows, you know, you want to be in media, but you don't know exactly what it is. I mean, I was a broadcast major, you know, all of my college, you know, peers were going to a small market and they were going to figure it out which is amazing and shout outs to everyone that does that. For me, I knew that wasn't for me. I just did not. I wanted to be in New York City. I wanted to figure it out, whatever it is, right? So I ended up at MSNBC as a PA. How the heck as an MSNBC PA do you see your future, right? Yes, I could have been a producer, a segment producer, a senior producer. and But if I'm being very honest, I didn't, they weren't, the people on my team were not very happy. They weren't very fulfilled. They came in every day. They did the nine to seven job and they got on the bus and went home. I want more from that. So when I think about my future, I actually look at, you know, what I want and I see more of my life instead of an ideal role. I see it as like a more an ideal lifestyle. You know, my lifestyle includes being able to take family vacations whenever I want, being able to work you know, remote and, you know, work hard, but not have to do anything. That's just making me crazy exhausted. Um, and just being someone that people know, and, you know, if you want to get in contact with me, you can, but you might have to go through a couple of people. Um, you know, I think, yeah, we all want to get to a certain stature uh, of that point, but I, yeah, I can't really put my finger on what that looks like, but the past couple of years of my life, you know, has definitely put me in a better position to, get to whatever place that is. And I think the biggest thing that both of us said is just work each day, knowing that you're becoming a better person, journalist, whatever you're working towards, but also just know that it's getting better. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the big, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I just also knew, let me just continue being as good as I could at what, as great as I could at whatever. If I was going to print out a piece of paper that day, I was going to be the best printer paper ever. You know, if I was bringing in a guest, I'm going to walk with my chest out. Um, and that really got me to where I'm at today, which is talking to people and covering these big events and now writing articles and reaching the masses, you know, but what's the next five years look like? I hope a lot of money. Um, I hope <laughs> a bunch of vacations, um, a bunch more appearances on cable news um, but eventually I know all that is going to culminate into an authority in this space, right? Whatever that looks like, combining news, politics and culture and really 
helping people understand why, particularly black people, why this matters to you, mm -hmm. um, which I think too often we don't get that enough. Mm -hmm. um, That's amazing. I don't know. Yeah. One thing like, um, and it's interesting, you can work your whole life and have the greatest talent in the world. But what the foundation also teaches us is you have to first be a good person. Good people want to be around good people and good people want to hire good people. Sandra said in her interview when we talked with her on the second episode is integrity. Integrity, integrity, integrity. Phyllis said, you know, just have a good spirit. Um, sometimes your energy speaks for you and introduces you before you even say your name and reach out to introduce yourself. So are you a good person? Are you spiritually aligned with having a purpose because impact can drive income, but you know, if you chase the money early on, you may not make the greatest impact in the world. And that's what the foundation teaches us. But those qualities get overlooked because you're taught, oh, I got to hustle. I got to grind. I got to be the greatest on-air personality. I got to, I got to show out. I got to, no, are you a good person? Because mm -hmm. the only reason why people give people a chance is they know that they're coachable. They listen and they're genuine. Genuineness, I think, gets overlooked a lot in the industry. Like talent can get you in the room, but it can't keep you there. I appreciate that. I think that you just shared a lot of gems once again. I think too often we we put this on ourselves where like someone is, not to say they're better than, but like, oh my gosh, this person, right? And one thing I feel like that really is a, a switch turn in my mind is when you realize these are just people just like us, Right. Maybe they're a few years older. They've had a few more jobs, but a few zeros in college. A, a few more zeros, probably a lot more, especially more than me. But <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like I've noticed a difference in even the way people treat you. Mm -hmm. You just treat them like regular people, mm -hmm. right? Not to say that you didn't, right? I'm just saying. But even like in my mind, when I even start approaching interaction with people, like appreciate you doing this. Let's get down to it, right? I'm, you know, not. And I would just say this to people listening. You know, it's great when you meet the likes of insert whatever big name, you know, right? But just understand that they're, they put on their shoes the same way you do. So, we're you know, we're all in this game of life trying to figure it out. Uh, and I would just encourage people not to discount who you are and what you bring to it. So to close it out, and you already gave so much advice, but I'm going to challenge you to think about a little bit more. Yeah. What would be your advice to recent grads? And I'll, I'll start things off with this one because I really want to challenge not only recent grads, maybe mid grads, older grads, seasoned, as I'm sure you want to be called. And I mentioned earlier this time of reckoning. Um, right now, we're at a point where companies are they want more black talent. Uh, they want to support our stuff, all these things. And I just feel as though this is our time to really act up and act out. So I want to really challenge people to take the initiative to let your companies know who you are, let them know what you want to do. You know, and I always encourage interns, don't just say, I want more work, say specifically what you want. So go to your company and tell them what you want, how you're going to get there, what you need to get there. You know, you know, if you've been putting in amazing work for X amount of years, write that down, write down your numbers and your metrics and all of that. Take that to your boss, your boss's boss and get what you're worth. Right now, I feel like we have the opportunity, the space and the time to really get what's due to us. And I think 
if we let this time pass, it may not come back. So my piece of advice is just get what you're owed, you know, but be able to approach that space with facts instead of emotion. And I think that's what we do too often. It's like, oh, I deserve this because I'm good, you know, prove it, right? So write things down and show them because we already know we're two to three times better, but show them. Um, that's my piece of advice. What about you? I would say be intentional about your pivots as you pivot in different directions and you decide, okay, I've learned as much as I can at this job. Let me go search for another job. Be intentional. It's okay not to know exactly where you're going to end up, but really be intentional about what growth you could have at the next company, um, what more responsibilities you could take on. Be intentional about how much more effort you should put in, um, mental health. Be intentional about you know when to disconnect and when to unplug, and really be intentional about how you spend your time because we only have 24 hours in a day. You have to really learn early on in your career how to prioritize family, how to prioritize you know if you got children, if you're married, if you're in a relationship. Make sure that those things are just as important as the job because you don't want to be too into the zone all the time that you've missed out on legacy and impact and making a difference. Make sure you integrate community into what you do. And that really means giving back to those who gave you. And for us, it's the Emma Bowen Foundation. You know, for so long, we would get a call from Sandra or Phyllis like, hey, we got this program going on. I know you're an alum, this, that. They're not as in the foundation 100% as they used to be. So know that you're the big homie now. You the one that got to be calling other people to be like, hey, we got this going on with the foundation. Like, can you help in? Can you help out? Be involved and engage with the foundation. Don't wait for that phone call. You make that call and be like, what y'all need? That's the energy the foundation needs. Absolutely. And with that, I think that wraps up season one. Um, it's been my pleasure, as Naima said, coming to you every Tuesday and Thursday, seven o'clock. At least that's what we record. I know we release these on a weekly basis, but it's really been a labor of love. And I think, you know, I don't know about you, Naima, but sometimes, you know, it is a little bit, you had a busy day and just pushed out in a crazy story. And you're like, whew, I got this podcast to do. But honestly, it's like going to church or like going to the gym for me. It's like after a while and during it, I'm just like, wow, I needed this. You know, it almost is like that that spiritual therapy um, I needed and just to listen. So it's been amazing uh, this first season. I'm actually looking forward to season two. And like like we said, just growing, you know, learning from this season, growing and, and doing so much more. And I just enjoyed uh, this journey along with you. And I'd love to end it with what Emma Bowen said. Got to make a difference in the streets and in the suites.